five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Podcast on the internet. Sneaker pimps, six underground. A uh, blast from the past. Now, I did want to play "Shoot Out the Lights," but I'm gonna play it at the end of the show. So I play yesterday, um, and I will play it. But I want—I'm in kind of a trip hop mood. I'm definitely in a trip hop mood. And then after we, you know, go through the show here um, and some of the material, I think that uh, shoot out the lights is probably going to be appropriate towards the end of the song. Let me see what we have here. Whoops. All right. Uh, There's something that I wanted to bring up real quick. Like one second. Well, I mess around with my phone, which I probably shouldn't be doing, but in this case, I'm sending a message to me because I want a particular image, which I'll be able to pick up on my computer from my cell phone, and that's how technology works. Anyway, here we are. We're kind of underwater. Where is this? I think it's the uh, aquarium in, this might be a, Hong Kong or Taiwan or someplace like that. Not quite six underground, but um, kind of close. You know, I really, I really love that period of music where you you get sort of these kind of melancholy vocals over, over trip hop beats. I love that period of music. You have a sneaker pimps. You have a Portishead. Uh, this group called Lamb, and even like outside of that, the the uh, the vocal genre, and you just get into the to the trip hop. So I love I love that early um, trip hop down tempo sort of period. It's it's very very cool. DJ Shadow, that whole scene. I remember I bought this uh, compilation from this uh, label in France. It was back in the day when you go to a record store and um, you're kind of cruising through and, and, and doing the, the flippy flip. At that time, it was CDs and some vinyl, but mostly CDs. And I found this compilation, double CD from France with like trip hop stuff on it. And I liked the cover. I think the label was, was the Soma label. I forget. I like the cover, and it was in the 
trip hop down tempo section. So I bought it and not all of it was good, but there was this one track on there by this group. And I thought, man, this is a really, really good track. It was like the one track I went back to again and again and again. Turned out that that was a, a track from the group called Air. And it was one of their early um, singles. And I'm like, man, this group is really good. And of course, they came up with the uh, classic Moon Safari record, which is really, I think, sort of the zenith of this sort of era of atmospheric ambient trip hop with, with vocals. Massive Attack is kind of in there, although they're much darker, and I really like Massive Attack. And uh, I remember there was this um, weekend, and I was real, I was really sick, and I was living in the the warehouse, and I just stayed in bed all weekend, and, and I just listened to Moon Safari by Air over and over and over and over again. That was like, that was my healing record for that that little period of uh, not feeling so well. Uh, welcome to the show. If you're here from uh, Astro Weather, thanks for bopping on over. And of course, we have always a lot to talk about. Uh, Tucker Carlson is basically hinting that he is going to take on Fox News in his old time slot. Oh, that's going to be interesting, right? How is he going to do it? That, I think it's going to be through Elon Musk. And I talked about this from the day that it happened. I said, he is going to team up with Elon Musk. And I'll tell you how he's going to do it. He's going to do it through Twitter. Musk right now has been working on the back end for streaming through Twitter. Now, I think Tucker can't technically work for another network as part of his agreement. The last time I checked, Twitter was not a network. It was a social media platform. And when Tucker Carlson pulled when Tucker Carlson had his like two and a half minute sort of exit video where he's talking to people. That's probably up to about 5 million views could be more in, in the, in the rapid aftermath of that video, there was 2 million views. Look, that's, that's more than he would get on Fox. Now, of course, there was anticipation and people wanted to know what was going on. And clearly the, 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 uh, the pump had been primed, right? So there's that, but I don't think it's going to stop there. I think, I think Musk and, and, and uh, Tucker are going to partner. And I think fundamentally, and I'm going to be on the record right now that fundamentally that that partnership, and again, I am not here to stump for Tucker Carlson. You know, he, he is a, um, a blue diaper baby, right? He comes from a very conservative 
um, kind of Reagan Republican background. We know we know that he's kind of a you know a blue blood in some way in some ways. Um, but I also think that Tucker has morphed a bit along the way. I do think he's morphed a bit. Who's this? Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, I think he's morphed a bit. I think it's interesting when you look at him and Musk. And again, I'm and I'm not here to promote Elon Musk either. Like I think he's a in, in his own way, like Elon Musk is very flawed. But he's also like morphine. Like I think we have the ability to morph. And I'm and I'm doing my best to um suspend my judgment from what Tucker's doing and what Musk is is doing. Right. I'm willing to suspend my judgment and see what happens. Because whatever you believe in with Tucker and Musk controlled opposition and all this other shit, they're going to fundamentally change media as we know it. Once Tucker Carlson, and I believe it will be Twitter, once Tucker Carlson starts to stream through Twitter, and he does, Tucker Carlson doesn't even really need a contract, right? Tucker Carlson is being paid by Fox. He paid $20 million a year. He doesn't do anything. He can just go on his Twitter feed, right? But he could have a deal with Elon Musk, which might be a share and a stake in a future company that, you know, they form around this uh, potential for the streaming platform. So Tucker can clearly have a contractual relationship with somebody like Elon Musk that is deferred into the future which would not hinder his making $20 million from Fox. And so this is the perfect scenario for Elon Musk to launch something. And I think it's going to happen. They are, they're going to do something. And I believe Twitter is going to be the portal. And when that happens, YouTube is going to shit its pants. They're totally going to shit their pants. Because that is a shot across the bow to YouTube and any other streaming service. Because once Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson can demonstrate that they can pull big numbers, really big numbers, it's a game changer. It's a total game changer. Twitter becomes something different. Advertisers who, you know, slumped away from Twitter. Oh. Oh, we're not going to be part of this. No, they're they're going to look at those numbers and go, shit. It'll be very interesting. Like, who's going to hold the line? Who's going to come back and say, you know what? There are too many eyeballs here. We're in, right? We're, we're back in. So I think it's going to happen. And, and it's going to change the media landscape as as we know it, it's going to become more direct 
than ever. Because Twitter is a direct medium. It's a real-time medium. And that's one of the things I like about Twitter. It, it's, it's, it's like um, a ticker tape that is fueled by, uh, at times, um, a psychopathic vengeance. Right? And, and tw- I, I like that about Twitter. Twitter is the ultimate Gemini medium. 240 characters or less. Right. I mean, that is the ultimate Gemini medium. And, you know, this country, if I'm not mistaken, has uh, Uranus in Gemini. So it's perfect. It's a perfect medium. Right. And what's interesting also, we talk about like the, the Pluto return. United States is going to come up on its Uranus return as well. Maybe we get into that on Sunday night. Uh, anyway, a little meditation on Portishead, not Portishead, Sneaker Pimps. Sneaker Pimps, Down Tempo. I love that shit. Love that shit. Um, eventually, that woman who sang for the Sneaker Pimps would leave the group. And unfortunately, it would not be the same. <sighs> All right. Let's get into the meat of this thing, which is you. Oh, blessed Chatoria. Let's see who we have. Who's in the house today? Okay. DJ MC, what's happening? My man, Miguel, there's Tom. Hello, Tomas. Mr. Key is here. CC Jones, thanks for taking my call last night. Miss Fantastic, appreciate that. Uh, Sony's in the house. Hi, Sony. SP Dimples, I bet you SP Dimples likes a little down tempo. Just saying. Look at Kelly, morning conspiracist friends. <laughs> you know what happens when the conspiracy theories all become true? You're just a realist. We had a Hucklebuck 411 side me. Wendy says, the beautiful one. Harriet Bowie coming over from uh, Astro Weather. There's my man, Steve. What's going on, Steve? Could be there's not paranoia if they're really out to get you. That's a good one. Oh, Robert, going in a it's a going in a different musical direction. Yes. I did. I was I was consumed in the moment. Uh, let's see. Who else? I see Pines. What's happening? See Pines. Good to see you. Oh, who else? Smooth music. Like, likely like. Good. I like you. She looks like she's ready to suck the blood or soul right out. She's ready to fall from grace. That's for damn sure. She does this sleazy green from grace kind of look. Timothy Hartful, hey, good to see you, Timothy. Let's see who else is here. 90s music videos were so strange. They were dark, man. I mean, a lot of it was it was it was uh kind of the end times of Pluto and Scorpio. You know, there was so much darkness with Pluto and Scorpio. 
it moves into Pluto and Sagittarius. I think you get who really pops during Pluto and Sagittarius. What's going on? It's, I mean, for me, the Pluto and Sagittarius time is all about electronic music. For me, that's what was going on. All right, let's see what else we have. I think uh, what's happening, Lynn? Good to see you. One AI, great dance tune. It is, man. It's a grinder. I haven't heard of sneaker pinch before now. Now you know. One AI, we're going to get into some Richard Thompson at the end of the show. I just didn't want to start the show with, with Shoot Out the Lights. I think it's a good ender. But we'll play it, especially after we talk about today's. Um, uh, uh, SP's busted. Embarrassed to say, I may have sported the look a few times in high school, as you say, the 90s. I know. Burn, baby, burn 15 minutes of fun. What's happening, Orlando? We're to see you. He's here. Uh, I'm anything with the proper drugs <laughs> or the improper drugs. Use a 13 in the house. I was in my teens in the 90s. That style was quite popular. I had some of the stuff, same stuff in my closet too. I'm betting this eclipse on Biden's son will take him out after the news conference today has sealed his fate. Lynn, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, who is getting taken out though? That's the question. Who is getting taken out? Is it the brand? Is it the specter? Because as far as I'm concerned, that guy was taken out a long time ago. I don't, I don't know who is the man behind the mask. What if it was Obama? What if Obama was the guy behind the mask? Wouldn't that be fitting, literally? Uh, let's see. Thor has always got, Steve's got a good, a good, uh, poetic side. Uh, Ron Nuremberg. Oh yeah. What a, what a scumbag mayor. Darlene Tiffer coming in. Uh, but it was 70% no on prop a I'll have to look at prop a uh, Orlando world love that era in the nineties. Yeah, it was cool. Right. Like coming out, coming out of the, like, uh, you know, the chill space, the after party, the intersection, you know, between kind of soul and funk down tempo groove and atmospherics. I love, I love that period too. Portis had Mazzy star. Yep. Bent, Massive Attack, yep, 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 yep. There were so many good groups. I saw Lamb one time. They were really good. Man, they were just a duo, but man, they, they killed it. Uh, Lemon Jelly, yeah, I had the Lemon Jelly. Thievery Corporation, now we're talking. Okay, so since we're on the subject of music and Thievery Corporation, when I, when I was at eMusic, I actually... Signed 18th Street Lounge, ESL, also known as Three Corporation, to their first digital music deal. And every corporation, I, whom I've seen live, the epitome of fucking cool. Those guys were fucking cool. And there was always kind of an interesting 
semi-conspiratorial undercurrent with the recorporation. Like they kind of knew what was going on, right? But they weren't overt about it. And I think living in Washington, D.C. might have helped considerably. Very cool group. Um, that's really interesting about Massive Attack. You know, I think they did go woke, but I saw them. One of the best shows I've, I have, and I've seen them twice. And the first show was better than the second show. It was at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco. It was right after the big oil spill in the Gulf. And they were so incredible, like so powerful. They were, they were overwhelming. The visuals, right? It's overwhelming. And then you had Horace Andy, like doing the, he was he he was doing the 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 Trump thing the whole time, right? He he had he was doing the Trump thing, Horace Andy the singer down by his crotch the whole time, and every now and then he'd, he'd raise it up, right? And it was all pre-Trump, and I kept looking. I'm like, why the fuck is Horace Andy doing this upside down pyramid around this around his crotch? Great voice, by the way. Love mass. That show was amazing. But yeah, they have gone. Let's, I get fired up about music. Uh, Cherry Blossom Girl by Air is a favorite of mine. You guys have some knowledge. We got some knowledge. Uh, prayers to mom. Oh, man. God. Oh, I don't even want to get into it. Oh, boy. This is my this is relief and release here. Catherine Kramer, what's going on, Double K? Tucker also has a YouTube channel too. Yeah. But it won't be, it won't be like Twitter. Trust me. It won't be. see the thing with YouTube is that there is a barrier and a membrane between Tucker and YouTube. And it's a YouTube management, YouTube policy. There won't be that barrier membrane with Musk. Scrubby's in the house. Give him some name checks. Cremo is here. What's going on, Christine? Uh, last night's sort of announcement has over 90 million views. There you go. 90 million views. Let Fox stew on that shit. I agree. It's Pluto and Aquarius, right? It is the death of old media. Let them die, you know? It's it's like, I'll tell you a day that I'm looking forward to. You ready? The day that The View has its final fucking episode. That is a day where I will, I'll do something to celebrate. Tucker has morphed a lot. I watch it. I agree with you. I agree with you, Lynn. T Tucker has morphed. Um... Even if it's controlled op, it's better than what we have now. Uh, Fran, that is the, the realist approach. I, I agree. Act more if it's what they do. Okay. I don't think Tucker's an actor. Not in a traditional sense. Not in a traditional sense. Um, is he a crafted persona. Here, here's what I'll say about Tucker. 
the smarmy, arrogant, bow tying wearing Tucker, whom I couldn't stand, is not the same guy today. He's not the same guy. You know what happened to Tucker? He had a wife and family and he had kids. And that's going to change people. And if you don't have kids, this is not a disparagement on your um, reproduction or lack thereof. It's just a fact. And I think that's what happened with Tucker. He had kids and that changes everything. It's a game changer. You look into the future and you see what's happening. And you see the type of world that your kids want to inherit or you want them to inherit or not inherit for that matter. So I think Tucker um, is definitely a personality and crafted. I wouldn't call him an actor, though. Richard Burton's an actor. Was an actor. Uh, let's see. Who else we have? Truth theorists. I like that. Uh, Marie, NYC. Love the title today. It's a fun time. Shoegaze. There we go. Now we're into the shoegaze world. Big fan. Big fan of the Manchester sound. Love me some Stone Roses. Uh, Leo Loki. <laughs> uh, nice rebrand. Navy Blue Collar Robert Morning. Now that's the last Beacon or Virgo dress style. I would know. I think Obama could be the man behind the mask. I mean, right? I mean, would, wouldn't that make a lot of sense that it's really Obama the whole time wearing the, I mean, literally, it's, it would be like the joke's on you, you know? Except we did see them in the same room together once where Biden was walking around trying, <clears throat> trying to get Obama's attention and Obama was just getting all the love from the room. Uh, let's see. Tricky was dark and kind of lo-fi rap. I, so I had an encounter with Tricky one night in Miami. That, um, the guy who, uh, ran Island Records, that guy, get a hotel in Miami. I can honestly say that I think Tricky's an asshole. I'm sorry. Here I go again. But it's true. He was he was he was kind of a dick. Now, conversely, I met the I think the day before or earlier today, I met Goldie. I met so Goldie and Tricky in the same day. I liked Goldie. He was cool. He was fun. He was goofy. Tricky. I don't know. The other guy I met talking to Tricky was uh, Perry Hensel, who was the director of the movie The Harder They Come, which is one of my favorite movies. That was a cool moment. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Oh, the Krimis are here. Uh, Faithless and Poor Dead Maxi Jazz. Faithless was interesting. You guys are on the down tempo tip. All right. I think we're good. We get, Oh, Astrolatal. Tucker Tarlson is CIA. You know, I'll take the CIA version of Tucker Tarlson over maybe the CIA version of, um, I don't know, who could I throw out there? Uh, Chuck Todd. Right. And I, 
I'm, I'm not here. I'm just talking about the ability to change the media scape, which is about to happen. We're about to watch it happen before our very eyes. Everything is going to pivot in a way that we can't even comprehend. And more autonomy is better. All right, let's get into the show. So last night, I was uh, cruising through YouTube. And, you know, Bloomberg has a channel on YouTube. And they do a lot of the congressional hearing stuff. And it's, it's interesting to, 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 you know, watch both sides line up on an issue because never do they line up on the same side together. It's, it's now you want to talk about some theater. And the, the quote unquote, right. Um, They always ask the better questions. They always come with the better material, I have to say. The left, quote unquote left. But the first thing that you'll notice is that uh, most of the uh, congressmen who are there as part of the, they're on the right are men. I think there was one woman, maybe two women last night. One of them actually ceded her time to Thomas Massey, who'd already spoken. You go on to the left, and I would say it's probably 60, 40 women. The theme with the left is almost always about feelings. It's always feelings. They're always hitting that hard emotional cord. Or like, like they're going to punch um, the content with the hard emotional cord. And that doesn't happen with the so-called right. I'm just playing a little bit of a, a name game here. So there definitely is a difference in the dialectic. And there's, when you watch that, you realize there's very little chance that this country is ever coming back together again. It, it is that divided and that deep. And yes, you know, they may be, you know, doing circle jerks behind the scenes, but the public dialogue, the, the Vox Populi, is deeply, deeply divided, but it's entertaining. I can't really take the Democrats because they're just, just, they're full of shit. The progressives are just full of shit and they know they're full of shit, right? It's just one virtue signal after the other, um, you know, and you'll get some of that on the right. And even somebody like, like Thomas Massey, who has some weird stances on some, some uh, issues that it's like, really? Of course, every, the, the, uh, our friends in the Fertile Crescent, they're, they're untouchable in terms of the uh, so-called right in this country, which is a whole nother discussion. But last night, I was, I was, it just came on and, you know, my YouTube feed, and I found this image and let me show you this image. It's like just fucking weird. Uh, come on, pop up. Pop up. I may have to do this again. Let me try it one more time. 
But I just want to show you the image first. And then um, I will elaborate on the image. Let me see what we have here. Give me one second. Um, here we go. Um, normally, when I go from phone to text, it pops up. Let me try it one more time. Try this. Oh, uh, moss. Try this. By banging it enough, maybe it'll come through. I just banged it four times. All right, let's see what happens here. Let's go back here. Ah, uh, yes, I got it. All right. So this is the image. I'm going to bring it up. I, I, it just struck me as being really fucking weird. Okay. Look at these faces. Look at this face. Look at this guy. He looks like Robert De Niro, doesn't he? He's like Robert De Niro's little brother or something. By the way, Robert De Niro, a father at 70, was he 73? Got another kid. I mean, the, these faces are just really weird and hard. And I watched almost the entirety of this interrogation. This is the director of the ATF. I think his name is Chuck uh, Dellenbach or Dettelbach, Dettelbach. And is that a toupee? What do you think? Is that guy where is that guy sporting a rug? Although he does have some flecks of gray in there. And I don't, I don't think it, it is a rug. But all these people look fucking weird to me. And none of them look happy. Like, throughout the entirety of the, uh, this hearing, they, they don't look happy. In fact, it, it almost feels like they're there to intimidate people. Like, like they're, it's weird. It's really weird. Like, clearly, these are probably ATF people. But they don't come across as being uh, even moderately friendly. Like, these scowling looks never change. And in fact, in some instances, they get worse. Now, I noticed that when Thomas Massey, 
was uh, interrogating the head of the ATF. This guy right here would take out his cell phone and videotape Massey, which I thought was really weird. Like, why the fuck do you have to videotape this guy? Like, there's a videotape already on Bloomberg News. Like, you don't really need to videotape. It, it was almost like it was an intimidation tactic. So let me tell you what went down here and why this is important and why it's part of the title of today's show. So Congress recently passed an act that essentially is a very broad swipe the AR-15 platform. And it has to do with the stock, right? The, this, this stock, which is a removable stock. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make a case that the guns that are being used in these shootings all represent a particular profile meaning that their barrels are short and their stocks are long so that they have a, a better um, uh, attempt or, 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 or a better aim, right? The potential to be more accurate in the aim is literally buttressed by the stock, right? And this, so Congress has passed this thing. And that means that everybody that owns a rifle whose barrel is not a particular length, right, in one of these stocks, you literally have to do one of two things. Well, three things. You have to take the stock off of your, your supposed weapon right? Like you could have the stock and you can have the weapon. You just can't have them together. Or you can destroy your weapon with the stock, right? This is a version of the famous bump stock that, uh, that Donald Trump passed on the heels of the uh, shooting at the Marjorie Stoneman school in Florida, right? Like that was his give, but, but eventually a court ruled that that was actually illegal. So this uh, executive order that Trump passed for the bump stock got deleted because a higher court said, no, you can't do that. So this is a version of that. This is kind of a reanimation of that. Now, if you decide uh, that you don't want to detach the stock from said uh, firearm and you don't want to destroy the firearm, then you can register it with the ATF. You can let them know that you have that rifle with that stock. And it's all good. It's all good, right? And And... And what they did is they basically, this is whatever you think of the so-called right, right? They were able to 
shine a light on the process. And the process is that this is the, the wending and winding way to get to the Second Amendment. And remember, we have Chiron in Aries. It is the Chiron return for the United States. It's coming, right? This is the trajectory, the trajectory of where they're going. Now, the other thing is that let's say you're a good law-abiding citizen and you have absolutely nothing to hide. Absolutely nothing to hide. And you decide that you're going to take your stocked weapon uh, to wherever or go online and register wherever so now they know that you have it and they're requiring that, right? They're creating a national gun database and registry, which by law they are not allowed to do, but they're doing all these weird workarounds, right? They're doing all these really weird workarounds. So the idea is for them to, number one, get the goods on people. And number two, like if you don't do any of those things and for whatever reason they decide to, you know, come after you, let's say you're at a, a, a range and you have one of these, uh, one of these weapons and there's an ATF guy hanging out at the range. Like theoretically they could press charges and I believe the uh, minimum sentence is 10 years in prison. This is how they've set this thing up. And this goes into effect on May 31st. So we're talking 21 days from now. A little tricky Gemini, right? Now, there will be court challenges to it. I'm sure there are going to be certain states that will challenge it. Uh, and you know, what is that going to lead to? It leads to more balkanization, more opt-ins, more opt-outs. But this is big. And I don't think it stops here, right? Like, there's another iteration. Because once you get the crack in the door, then they can kick the door wide open. It's very interesting hearing a lot of these stories about, um, like, you know, registered gun dealers. And uh, Matt Gates was part of this hearing, and he was representing somebody from his district. This guy had been in business for 40 years. Again, whatever your view on guns, wherever they are, this guy has a right to do his business, right? 40 years, spotless record. Spotless record. He goes through, of course, they have to they have to do a background check. When you go to a dealer, you got to do a background check, which by the way is not in the Second Amendment, but that's a different story. And what happened is that there was a guy whom the uh remember now this goes through the ATF, and this guy was approved for the purchase of a firearm. So he did everything in his power to do that. Right. And he leaned on the ATF for either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And they gave the guy a thumbs up. 
Well, retroactively, they came back and they said, eh, you shouldn't have sold them that gun. He didn't, he didn't meet the approval and standards. So that's a violation and we're shutting you down. And that was it. There's hardly any appeal process to this whatsoever. Right. So they were the ones that approved the guy and then retroactively uh, disapproved the guy. And as a result of that, this, uh, this, this, the shop in Florida lost his license and lost his business. And this has been a, a very, very aggressive version of the ATF. Very aggressive version. Like they're clear about what they're, and it's all about safety and, oh, we want to make sure the right people have these things and the wrong people don't, right? I mean, total, total utter, you know, hype, hype and fabrication. And this guy, Chuck Dallenbach or Deatonback, he actually ran for governor of Ohio and he was anti-gun, right? That was his platform. And now here he is. And I just, I just looked at this picture and I thought, what the fuck world are we living in, right? These people are, they look like a mob. They look like a mob. They look miserable. They look like they're there to intimidate the, you know, the, the, the rest of us. And of course, you know, you've got your uh, virtue signal kind of rotating lineup here. Person of color in the background, woman on his left, mask wearer deep in the back on his right, Robert De Niro clone on his right. And this guy was so obsequious. In a lot of ways, it's really. Uh, embarrassing at times to identify as an American, right? Like I, that's not what I identify as first, but I, I identify first as a spiritual being having a human experience. That's, I mean, you know, and I happen to be in this body, in this country at this time. So by default, I am an American. And so by default, I have a relationship with this country. And historically, um, in, in the present time and in the future, I'm one of those people that has a kid, right? I want this place to be a better place for him. Everybody else has a kid. That's the idea, right? Legacy progeny. That's the idea. Leave it better than when you had it. You know, that's the parent's maxim. You know, every parent theoretically is there to do things for their children's life that they think would be would be better than what they did, what they had in their life. And that's on a personal level, and that's on a societal level as well. 
even though it's a blink of an eye and it's a it's Maya and it's a dream, it's illusion. You know, this is the paradox of our experience. So when I see this shit, I'm, it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing because of the outright lies, the manipulation, uh, even the psychological intimidation that's going on in the background. And then Rocky Raccoon here. <laughs> and I, I had, I had, like when you watch him talk, it, it's just, you know, my head goes to this place where uh, it's like, Somebody has to let somebody has to look back at that face. If they're having a moment of physical intimacy, they got to look back at that face while that's happening. And I thought to myself, man, I would not want to be that person. Sorry. <laughs> it's just a fact, right? You ever go there? I mean, I'm, I'm Scorpio rising. I go there, you know, and I look, and I look at this guy here. Let me go back to this is because I'm how, how I'm wired. And I, I look at this guy and uh, I ask myself like, okay, so what kind of faces does he make while he's getting it on? Right. Like I'm just like freaked out by the whole thing, but I, I'm also um, sort of darkly wired. To kind of go there, you know, because that's how my this is how my brain works. And I'm like, what kind of faces does this guy make? You know, comes out of his mouth. You know, what are what are the uh, the exhortations, the pleasure that are emanated from a face like that? And you know, at the end of the day, right? Like you you wipe it all away. You just wipe it all away. And who is the guy on the inside? Like, who is this person? What forged and formed him to get to this point where he's willing to do anything? Anything. To make other people's lives more difficult. How did he get here? What were the turning points in his uh, evolution? Growing up, was he bullied? By the way, he's a lawyer. Was he bullied? Did he have some weird shit going on in the background with his family, with his father? Right? It's the usual suspects that show up here. What forms the character of a person to go down this path? And I can tell you right now, this is not a happy guy. I think there are times where he has moments of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, moments of, I don't know, he's worth schadenfreude, right? Like, I think that's I think that's what gets him off, but I don't think he's a happy guy at all. 
I don't think he's doing these things to make people safer in the world. No. He's a knotted up, twisted up bureaucrat who is sided with a particular group that wants to invest him with power. And, and there are people on the right that are like that as well. It's not endemic to either side, right? But it's like, what are the events that caused this guy to become this guy? I mean, it looks like this guy hasn't had a good night's sleep in about 30 years. And they, I mean, they all look just bedraggled and dark, haunted. Look at them. This is what's staring back at us, although we don't see it. But we get to kind of look at it here for a brief moment, a glimpse into these hardened faces. I don't know what motivates these people. I think at the end of the day, it really boils down to two things. It's either, it's, and they're probably connected. It's fear and power. That's it. Fear and power. Those, those are the two most base, gross, motivating factors. And the idea, theoretically, in that version of the game of life is to accrue power. That's that's the motivation, is to accrue power. Because if you have so-called power, it's not even like really, truly legit power. But if you accrue that kind of power, then it does a couple things. Number one, it staves off the fear, right? You're the you're 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 the hunter and not the prey. That's what that's really what it comes down to. You're the hunter and not the prey. It's simple. It's the most binary relationship that we have with life. The predator and the prey. And in that position, they are not the prey. And so there are decisions and choices that are made along the way of life that put people in one camp or the other generally speaking, then there are free thinkers who don't want to be either, right? I don't really, I'm not in, I'm not into being a predator and I'm not into being a prey either. You know, I opt out. That's not, that's not the binary game I'm in. And I would assume that a number of people who listen to this are probably in that camp. And even if you are a detractor and somebody doesn't like what I say, you don't, you maybe don't like my point of view. Maybe, maybe you think I'm a closet Nazi or a fascist or whatever, right? That's fair. You can have your opinion, but at the end of the day, where are you on that spectrum? Are you a predator? Are you prey or are you opting out? 
And I think the the opt-out is the, the most challenging one. It's the most challenging piece. You're neither left nor right, right? But you can you can identify like socially. I I got a mother who's dying. Okay, she's dying, and you know, as somebody who's witnessing that, what do you do? Well, you look around, and you know, you know, where is the support for somebody like her? You know, the quote unquote social programs, right? Really interesting. My mother, when she uh, exited. 35 years worth of service for the government. When she exited, you know, the person in HR who's supposed to handle all that stuff, right? It, the, the person in HR never told my mother to sign up for Medicare. Never told her. So my mother has, has been paying into um, a medical plan that's $500 a month, by the way since she retired, which was what, uh, 2000, oh shit, earlier than that, like 1998, 1997. So because we're relocating her and her coverage for her plan is, is regional, um, I had to jump in and we had to go through social security and sign up for Medicare, right? Here comes the social service part. My mother has been penalized 10%, 10% for every month out of every year that she did not sign up for Medicare at the age of 65. Even though she's been putting her money dutifully and faithfully into the system, she's being penalized for it. So now she has to pay a premium for Medicare. And I'm not here to play the Bernie Sanders card and, and, you know, socialized medicine or whatever, because I think once you tie that to the government, you know, the government has a lot of say as to what you are going to put or not put in your body. But, you know, it was just one of those weird moments, right? Here you are, you're kind of in this Kafka-esque situation. Like we had, we had to go to the social security office. And it was funny because they have one of those touch screens. Right. And you, it's like you type in, you know, your name, social security number, and next, next, next. And um, so I, I'm trying to punch her into this touch screen and it's, it's, it's not working. And so the only person that's there next uh, around me is uh, the security guard who is essentially a federal agent because that's a federal building, right? Social security is a federal building. So he's standing next to me. And this guy's, you know, he's wired. He's got a gun, you know, he's, and um, I looked at him. I said, hey, this, this isn't really working. And he looks at me, he says, that's because you're being too aggressive. <laughs> that was really funny. That was really funny. It was a good line, actually. And I, I almost said to him, I said, gee, I didn't know that the uh, kiosk had feelings. But, you know. You don't want you don't want to fuck around with those guys, right? There's a big sign up there inside the that room that basically says, "Hey, look, you fuck around with that guy, you, you can be arrested, right?" So it's like, okay, I'll just dial down my intensity with the kiosk. Then we get in, and it, you know, life is just so weird. 
um, we get in there and of course we, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes this shit is just so stereotypical. Okay. It's just fucking stereotypical. We get, uh, the, uh, you know, the little, the little, uh, uh, what do you call them? Um, I guess they're kind of kiosks in their own right. Right. The little kind of one-on-one windows. We get the window with the Asian woman with the fucking mask on behind the, the plexiglass window. Like, okay. How much more stereotypical does that get? I mean, first of all, the government, the federal government that you work for basically said, yeah, it's over. You don't have to wear one. Uh, the who said, yeah, it's over. And it's amazing to me to this day, how many people still wear masks, but she's there wearing a mask on the other side of a fucking plexiglass window. So we get her and then we're, we're, it's like all of a sudden our case gets elevated, right? Escalated. And then there's a woman who comes in, who's not wearing a mask. She's wearing a 49er jersey, a hoodie, which is kind of cool. And uh, she basically tells my mother, like, what's up? And my mother doesn't understand this, right? In her mind, it doesn't work. In her mind, she put all this money in. And just because she didn't fill out a piece of paperwork when she was 64, 65, or whatever, now she's being penalized for that. And honestly, in my mind, it doesn't make sense either. And and if somebody who is in that administrative world can tell me why it makes sense, I'd be happy to hear your your uh, response to that. So then we go down and we we talk to this woman, and she's actually quite nice, you know. But you're in this Kafka esque world where Nothing you can do in that moment can change um, the potentiality of a different kind of outcome, right? At that point, everything is fixed and it's all about forms and checkboxes and buttons and uh, rules and standards, and they are immutable, completely immutable. And you know, I'm just grateful that it happened quickly and that we can kind of move her into this place. But again, you know, from the point of view of a social program, which it really is, it's a social program, uh, based on that experience, it's, it's completely flawed. It's completely flawed. She's being penalized for something that she's paid into. And just because she didn't do it at a certain time, now she's got to pay. Right? It's a nice, nice little, nice little um, piece of income, and I'm sure there's a lot of output that the you know whatever, you know, is it a drop in the bucket? Is her four hundred dollars a month or whatever it's going to be going to make a huge difference in the federal budget? I don't think so. Right, and that's that's the insane part. That's the part that drives people mad. When you really drill down into it, right, it'll just drive you mad. Doesn't make a fucking difference. That's number one. And number two, the logic behind it 
is skewed, completely skewed. And not only that, but you're penalizing a woman who's in her mid-80s who desperately needs this care, and she has no other option at that point because her other uh, – and I'm talking third person. It's not even my mother, right? But I will say that the woman who helped us out was very nice and human. She was human. And, you know, and at that point, you just have to kind of let go and say, this is it, right? These are, these are the rules of engagement that we're dealing with right here. And unless we do something different, we're not going to be able to, to move the needle. And at the end of the day, it's probably still going to be cheaper than her current coverage. So that's one of the upsides. But it's, you know, it's fascinating, you know, to see like this, you know, the ideal and the model. And the ideal and the model don't always... They don't always align. Now, if, if you know, if you're somebody who took advantage of that, sure, it aligns, great. But that wasn't the case. So, I don't even know where I'm going with that, to be honest with you. But it, it was just one of these incongruities of the system that stuck out like a sore thumb in that moment, and. You know, again, it's a personal thing. I'm watching how it's stressing my mother out, you know, and she doesn't understand it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to her. And especially when you're in a physically compromised position, like, all those things get ramped up and amped up. I don't know who I was talking to, but I was talking about this whole idea of being free. And I remember as, as a child, whether it was my, my, my cultural conditioning or programming or whatever, growing up in the sixties and, you know, easy rider, be free man, whatever. Right. Like that was always kind of a, a fundamental piece in my life and if when you talk about freedom you can't disconnect freedom from the truth and that's a, a lesson a hard one that i've i've learned over time because there was a time in my life where i wasn't always truthful and as a result of that i was a slave to the various illusions that i was running in my life with myself and with other people and that's not empowering at all. So you can't disconnect the truth from freedom. Like the two of them are the, they're, they're the, um, they're, they're the yin and the yang. They're the yin and the yang of the process. You cannot disconnect the two, right? If you simply have uh, truth, right? Without this idea of freedom, you descend into dogma. Now your truth becomes dogmatic. And it's not really in the service of truth or, or freedom, rather. It's in the service of being right. right. So truth without freedom becomes dogma. Real freedom. Freedom without truth becomes self-serving. And it becomes uh, onanistic, right? It, 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 it's just do as thou will. And 
you can get into real territory. So you have to have the two. You have to have truth and freedom together because they're the check and balance of the human experience. And then what we see with these hearings is kind of this fundamental uh, arm wrestle between these, these, these two principles, right? And you have one side, which is trying to use truth so that people can still theoretically have some freedom. And I say theoretically, put in parentheses. Then you have the other side who sculpts the truth in order to be safe. Those are very fundamental differences. Somewhere along the way, then I, I, I maybe I could take a shot at it, but somewhere along the way, we lost the plot for truth and freedom. And I'm not even talking about a jingoistic sense. I'm talking about like personal accountability, truth and freedom, right? Somewhere along the way, we lost the plot. And, and we became much more concerned about security and safety and massaging reality so that those two states of very limited being could be used as a cudgel for the human experience. That's what that's somewhere along the way, we lost the fucking plot. And maybe it was gradual. Maybe there was a seismic event that changed us. I think it's probably more, it's probably a combination of the two. Like I think when Nixon got impeached, that was this shining moment for the counterculture. Like they had killed the father. Like whatever truth they theoretically unearthed um, about Watergate and the tapes, which in a lot of ways is bullshit that that was that was the silver bullet that killed the werewolf of or the or the vampire or the you know of the father which is what nixon was and it was like after that moment the quest for so-called truth died it was like okay we did it we did it we got here you know we the that was the big bear. That was the pelt that we wanted, and we got it. And there were high fives all around culturally. And then it stopped. It was like a limited hang. You know, a generation sat around, self-satisfied and smug over the fact that, you know, through the press, through Woodward and Bernstein, that they were able to take down the president of the United States. And that was it. Go back to sleep. I think that's part of it. And then after that, you see the 70s become the, the bleeding into the 80s with conspicuous consumption. And that's when the boomers begin to make a lot of money, right? So the truth is, a, it is not a universal standard. In some ways, it's a lifestyle to be uh, exercised. 
the truth becomes their own internal quest for truth. It's the time of gurus and yogis and um, uh, what you might call it, um, self improvement, human potential. Like that takes place. And then along the way, there are more sacrifices that happen. We look at, you know, what happened with the first Gulf War. Right? People bought into that. They bought, they bought into it. And, and when people bought into that, they were, they were basically checking the box and that they wanted to be safe. Because the projection was, was that this bad man in the Middle East who supposedly did all these things in Kuwait, which none of none of what happened, by the way, that by eliminating him as a threat, it would protect us. And people bought into it. That was a big moment, right? Even though it was only four years worth of Bush. But just down the line, right, at that point, when people achieved a certain level of financial prosperity, they wanted to keep that prosperity. They wanted to be safe. They didn't want somebody to come into town. Like the existential threat was in the air. And so a lot of it is a byproduct of a certain generation. I'm not here to, to, to slim the boomers, okay? But this is on the boomers' watch. And they became, like any generation would, that would have acquired wealth, land, assets, to some degree, more conservative. And there is a point where conservation or being conservative bleeds into being overly concerned with one's security. That is, you can see, right? Like, you know, the worst case scenario was something like that. I mean, the really worst case scenario is you get like the version of the mad prepper, you know, armed to the teeth. Like that is the most extreme version of it. Like that kind of security. And I'm talking the mad prepper. So somewhere along the way, right, there was a deal. There was this transference of the idea and the quest for freedom and truth for security and to some degree illusion. And then you just keep going down the line. You, you, then you have the trauma events, 9-11, right? And what do we want? We want more security. So we can see the social engineering of everything to get to this point in time where freedom is such a radical concept. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous concept. And truth is a dangerous concept. The, 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 these two elements are the kryptonite of the system because the system has been cultivated to create a relationship of infantilism with the individual and society in general. And people just see a threat 
at any given moment, right? And now the threat is microscopic. And so, and 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 this is going back to 311. This is what happened, right? It was the next level. You can't even fucking see the threat. You can't even see it. You know, the terrorists had become nano-sized, really. And people do anything, right? They'll do anything. At this point, you know, it, there, there's Stockholm Syndrome. There's all, it's like humanity is in a rough, really rough, rough patch. And you, and you see these forces in Washington, D.C., you know, sculpting reality and using events and human emotion in order to move agendas forward on both sides, by the way. I'll, I'll be honest. Again, both sides. But again, if you're looking at one side versus the other, one side tends to be a lot more emotional than the other. It tends to be a lot more virtue signaling on the other. And what I witnessed last night with this uh, hearing, I mean, it couldn't, be, it couldn't be more evident because you're getting into the second amendment. You can't have the second amendment without the first amendment. You can't have the first amendment without the, so they, they go together, right? They, they go together and uh, whatever you think, again, whatever you think of the constitution, you know, outmoded, outdated, you know, all these aberrations and whatever, right? There is still some fundamental pieces in there that um, have a little bit of uh, social Velcro. And if they didn't, then they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. So this is a big deal. And again, I, you know, how are states going to deal with this? How is a state like Texas going to deal with this? Or a state like uh, Arizona, how are they going to deal with this? And I ultimately, I think what this leads to is a further balkanization of the United States of America, which is quite, quite possible on the other side of the Pluto return. When we move fully into Pluto and Aquarius, we may not be living in the same country anymore. We may be living in regions, zones, states that have some kind of bilateral trade agreement with one another. but I'm pretty sure it won't be this, whatever this is. And let's hope that uh, at some point we figure out that are connected. We're in a bizarre way. We're, we're all one in a bizarre way. We are right. We used to be a lot more one than we were than we are now. Now it's like, yeah, no, I'm not sure about that whole oneness trip. Yeah, that person over there, I don't know. We're 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 not on the same one page. It's a it's kind of it's kind of a bizarre thing to uh, wrap your head around, in a lot of ways. When you really think of the extreme modalities of the personality, and um, how they've evolved or de-evolved. It makes the whole wellness trip just a little bit harder. Okay, I'm going to put a few more minutes on the show um, because I am going to uh, uh, 
I'm going to play shoot out the lights. And this is for uh, our guy. A slash I. Because I, I said I would play this yesterday. Okay, so this is a live version of Shoot Out the Lights. It's pretty good. This is from um, Hamburg in 1983. Oh, this is with Al Cooper. Let's check this one out. Oh, it's the Dennis Miller show. Oh, let's play this. And Richard Thompson, shoot out the lights with Al Cooper. We're going back in time here. Richard Thompson with his very medieval face and the great blues man, Al Cooper, shoot out the lights. Uh, and it's time to turn lights out here and not too far away from the end of the show based on our uh, a lot of time in the meter. So thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed today's content, kind of a philosophical rant, but one that I think is an interesting question. Where did we trade it all in? Where did we trade it all in? And and who was the and who were the enablers that led us down the path of security and convenience, which is ultimately the great soporific. And um, allows us to do a deal with our own sovereignty. Maybe it was done a long time ago. Maybe it was done when we took our first breath. But I'm not convinced. All right. Be back here tomorrow, uh, 9, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Go get yourself some True Hemp Science products as well. Sponsor the show. Don't forget those guys. Don't forget my buddy Chris. Spend $100 or more, type in 15MINS, and you will get free goodies. 150 or more gets you free shipping. 30-day guarantee. Money back on all your products. Take care. Shataria, thank you. Love you. Bye for now.